So before we begin this episode, we have something really cool that I actually just found out and want to talk about with everybody. So not only is it 100 years of horror for us as the Exorcisters, which is amazing, great year, great fun, but this is actually the 100th year of women having the vote as well, Yeah, which is us. We're a women horror podcast. It's like our year. Yep. So we have actually Kristen, like figured this out and she was like so we've been doing this 100 years of horror can we do something for 100 years of the vote and i was like yeah let's do a vote bitch let's do it (laughs) so we're gonna figure out a couple movies to put up on our instagram poll to vote on so keep an eye out for that it's not just going to be like women only vote, obviously, because, you know, we're just celebrating the women vote. And yeah, so men come support our right to vote by voting. Exactly. This won't be until August. So you have a little bit of time to wait, but it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. And we need to figure out, you know, what movies we're going to have to think a lot about. You know, I can only put two up, you know, to vote on, obviously, but we really want to make it a women as the heroine and not necessarily like obviously it's horror so at some point she will be a victim but there's a lot of final girls that do survive but we want to see if we can find something where she's a real badass and if you have any recommendations for us send them in yeah the email i'm gonna leave that at the end too but just right now at the beginning while you're thinking about it if you know something where there's like a badass woman in a horror or even like a horror subgenre so like psychological thriller or thrillers or anything like that email us at the extra sisters podcast so again we're celebrating 100 years of horror and 100 years of the women having the right to vote so we're going to vote on a women-led horror film so if you have any recommendations email us at the extra sisters at gmail.com my name is amanda and i'm Kristen, and we are the extra sisters so sit back relax and let's get creepy welcome to another installment of 100 years of horror And in this installment, we are going to be discussing the 1970s part one. We made it halfway. I know. We are officially, official, officially, officially, not just me going, oh my God, halfway. (laughs) Totally halfway. So I know that in the 1960s part two, I was like, there are some things in here. You're not going to think that they're in here. Uh, There are actually, I know that a lot of people may have thought that some movies would be higher than other movies. And the 1970s part one, there is one specific year that I think is going to surprise people. So we'll get there for 1973. But before we get to 1973, we're going to talk about 1970 because I don't know what the fuck is happening here. Well, I mean, I do, but like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to talk about it because it's called... Valerie and her week of wonders and it's from Czechoslovakia which is really fucking cool yes it was a film that came out during the Czechoslovakian the Czech Czechoslovakia. era <laughs> so I this movie is all about symbolism and this girl she's not a woman she's actually 13, 13. Years old, which was really unfortunate later because you see her boobs and I was like oh Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like she's obviously the actress is not I would hope a minor <laughs> because yeah woo. but this is all about a coming of age literally she gets her period and then all of this becomes about becoming a woman a sexual awakening a 
symbolism of basically menstruation and all of that through Mm -hmm. nightmares, dream states, people in her life turning into these horror characters, basically, like we get vampires and things like that, which is kind of why it's a fantasy horror film. And it was so funny because I texted Kristen and I was like, Brad said he would watch one of these movies with me. Like we'd lay in bed one night because I've gone back to work and I've been back for a little while. You know, I know some people are still working from home and stuff, but we don't get as much time together. We got used to being together, you know, in March and April all the time. So I was like, hey, I'd like you to just watch a movie with me just so we can spend time together. And I was like, well, this one's only like an hour and 15 minutes. So even if you're not super into it, it'll be really short bad idea (laughs) yeah I literally told you I was like you should have asked me for a recommendation first because that was not the one he didn't like hate it though he was just like yeah I was gonna ask how did it go with Brad I mean he was just like I don't know what's happening but (laughs) it's kind of like I'm on drugs so like I'm not upset about it I (laughs) because there's also no dialogue in this film which is so cool. Just like mouthing. It's like a, yeah. a modern it's like a silent film. film. Exactly. Because the music is also doing a good job of like depicting moods and scenes and things like that. And there's a lot of like electric guitar, but then you also get pretty orchestral or flute music or so there's, you know, things like that. But it's really difficult to explain. But basically, there are all of these elements of symbolism of of a sexual awakening of puberty of how mm-hmm. merry that is or on the flip side of how freeing that right. can be and uh, it's all told through dreams so yeah it's right. really hard to explain you definitely have to watch this movie yeah i even texted you i was like okay like honestly some of this not like but some of the more like scarier elements like people around her in her daily life turning into like vampires or monstery things like you know white face black cloak kind of things that kind of like looks like my nightmares and I was like so it you know it just very yeah you know it reminded me a lot of that so there's a lot of symbolism it's almost like we may have to do a whole episode to really get into all of the symbolism but it's all there and it yeah. also feels like you're on a fucking acid trip. Like I know I've said yeah. that before, but out of all of the films we've seen, no, this one like, definitely. I felt like I'm on drugs. This one really felt yeah. like I was on drugs. I was questioning my sobriety. I was like, do I fucking no? Well, I haven't had anything to drink today. It's just this, you know. Yeah, it so. made me want to watch Midsummer though. Like it had all of that flowery uh-huh. springtime. Very bright it. and sunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's not dark like you would think normal horror movies, right? No, it's not no, like that. No, not at all. And even in the darker scenes, they're still fairly bright. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's actual depictions of like when she gets her period, blood coming out and landing on a white flower. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like some of it's in your face, but then other times you're like, what the fuck is happening? You don't exactly. Know. So that was 1970. And it also has a 100%, I believe, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's fucking awesome. And sure. honestly, I'm right there with them because I loved this movie. So I'm good. so glad because, you know, especially with some of these more like artistic yeah, um, I usually fail on the artsy ones. I figured you'd love this because I, you like artsy stuff. You know, I just, I I was not, okay, so it has a 100% critic score and a 79% audience score, but that's still really good. 
probably hundred percent because that's what we're basing this on. But yeah, you know, I just was not expecting it at all because when you because I still read like the, you know, when you pull it up, it's like a little. It's so vague because yeah, they can't like, tell you anything through nightmares or whatever. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, that seems pretty seventies and pretty horror-ish. Like, I got it. Yeah, they really ran with the whole free love, like, 60s drugs, and then they were like, let's just end it with a bang. And I was like, oh, you did. Yeah, that's actually my first comment on our next movie. For 1971, we have a British film called The Abominable Dr. Phoebes. And the first comment I said was, these last three movies are fucking crazy. So we had Spirits of the Dead in 1969, we have Valerie and Her Week of Wonders in 1970, and The Abominable Dr. Phoebes in 1971. And they are mm-hmm. all so bright, so crazy, so mm-hmm. 60s flower child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the cover art for this film is very like, what the fuck is happening? Yes, exactly. Like, very so, colorful. Yeah. So the other comment I made was, we're doing this fucking old trope with Vincent Price again, because the abominable Dr. Phoebes is about a man who... Now he can't talk, but he does Mm -hmm. cover his face and he ends up honestly like Jigsaw. He is taking out people. His wife died in a car accident and they were trying to save her. There was a team of 10, I think, Mm -hmm. surgeons that were trying to save her and they failed. And Dr. Phoebes was on his way. He was in Switzerland or something skiing and he was on his way to go get her and he quote unquote died in a car accident. He didn't actually die and he ends up, he's taking his revenge out on all of these doctors. So he's killing them in something I thought was kind of cool. It's not the typical 10 commandments type plague. It is the jewish way which i love yes you never hear about that it's always catholicism and christianity but the fact that yeah this was a jewish ritual was really fucking cool Mm -hmm. they had special symbols that he would put on each person before he killed them and it like i said it's different things it's not like it's the 10 plagues of egypt and but they're different like rats i don't ever remember rats being in one but that was part of the jewish one yeah it's very similar because you know the old testament of the christian bible and the torah are are similar because the thing that changed in christianity was christ you know Mm -hmm. but it's still Mm -hmm. like you know things were in hebrew and it wasn't like they were going to a catholic priest you know exactly all of that was really cool yeah Yeah, it was definitely cool. But there is a point where it does turn into Saw. So at the very end, he's got one doctor left, and the curse is the firstborn son. That's the one we're on. Yeah. And this guy ends up having to do surgery on his son before this acid is poured on him. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's straight out of fucking Saw. I swear to God. Yeah. It was super intelligent in Mm -hmm. in that respect. And it really, at at first, I was like, get you know, of course, getting the phantom vibes you know um Mm -hmm. the opera but then you know it of course changes and i really i actually really enjoyed this film this was you know obviously we have some films that keep going that we've seen before but out of the newer ones we saw in this i really enjoyed this Mm -hmm. one for the story because i liked i i like that it hit i like religious killings i think they're (laughs) interesting so that was that you know check the box for me there so that was fun yeah it was also nice because this was actually a horror comedy. So there are points yeah. like one of the deaths has to be by a beast. And he ends up 
Vincent Price or Dr. Thieves <laughs> yeah. ends up nailing some guy with a fake unicorn head against a wall. Had a pulpit. Yes, and the the comedy part of it is the cops are literally right next to him. They were getting ready to save him, and now this guy's fucking dead. And they stand there, and they look to see that it has gone through the wall. So then, because it's a unicorn horn, they spin him off the wall like a screw. They gotta figure out which way the thread is going. (laughs) Exactly. there's a guy in the other room, and he's like, can you shut the fuck up? Exactly, but there's, like, feet moving, because they're spinning him upside down. That was pretty funny. Once you get into it, right in the beginning, you see that Vincent Price's face is messed up, and I'm like, oh, so we're House of Wax wax. and Eyes Without a Face again. Okay, whatever, we've done this. Yeah, he literally burns. After he's killed a doctor, he literally, like, burns, like, a wax face of them. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, oh, we're having that old trope again. But there were definitely new things in it. Like at the very end, Vincent Price is the last 10 plagues. He is darkness and he kills himself. But the way he kills himself is he embalms himself. That's fucking cool. Next to his wife, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he's been like, you know, he it's almost like, you know how people talk through a stoma. He can he's been speaking through this, but like through record um phonographs mm-hmm. and things like that and he's been like talking to her and saying he's going to be with her soon and get re- basically revenge for her and he's knocking the nine down or whatever and he's mm-hmm. in i think or you know but it's it's really sad but it's, it was pretty good and i am all about killing in the name of religion um, <laughs> it's not you know people of color for white people like this is what i mean like in dexter when it was like the the apocalypse mm-hmm. killings that's what i mean i don't mean like because yeah. that's fucked but you know what i mean <laughs> you're like please don't come from no, I, that's not what i mean i mean like when it's like a serial killer in like movies, yeah. that's, that's cool that's like, it's one of the same reasons i like this is kind of off a little bit the, but the possession i think 2013 or 2014 or whatever it was a mm-hmm. possession movie but it was a jewish extra mm-hmm. so that's always really neat just a little bit different varying from yeah you know catholicism so yeah no i i, I enjoyed this movie it was pretty good so moving on to 1972 we actually there are a couple on this list because now we are into the 70s 80s and moving forward that we have done episodes on because they're classics obviously mm-hmm, right. so 1972 is no different we have already done an episode on this this is the last house on the left And so just a really quick rundown, if you haven't seen it or haven't listened to the episode or haven't seen the remake, because there is a remake, these two girls or young women, they go and they make an unfortunate decision, but this was a different time. This was kind of of the era of serial killers, but things were just kind of now starting to get out. There wasn't that sense of danger that we have now. And they go to a concert and while they're out, they go into this apartment to buy weed and they basically get got. And they get caught by this band of criminals basically and they get dragged through these woods, assaulted and murdered. And these criminals actually end up at the last house on the left of this street, which is the parents of one of the girls and the girl's parents actually go through this entire thing. They find out to get back at these criminals. There's these booby traps they go through and it's actually pretty awesome eventually, but it's also mm-hmm. a pretty brutal film. Yeah. This is definitely not, this is like one of those trigger warning films where you shouldn't watch it if, if you just cannot watch 
you know, rape film. So Mm -hmm. you have to keep that in mind. And I I say, you know, I think we even put a whole trigger warning on the episode that we did on Last House on the Left. But if you were interested to go into the entire plot, you should go listen to the episode. But just talking about it in just a very short snippet, it's a very good film because you do get the it's kind of like if you've seen I Spit on Your Grave just because there's been a very recent remake to that as well it's validating at the end you know you do get good Mm -hmm. you do get some good you know you're cheering for the parents and they're getting some you know full circle moments but it still doesn't bring their daughter back so it's still a very overall sad emotionally taxing film so it's not really one that I would watch all the time. You know, it's it's a hard one, but it's it's very good. Yeah, it definitely is. It's It feels real. Like the film style that they did, it almost feels like a snuff film. So yeah. that's a little intimidating sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's really fucking good. Yeah. So go check out our full episode on it that we did last year or in year one or season one or whatever we're calling it. But, yeah, it is on the best list because people are – it's obviously high, highly regarded. People cared that the fact that the content was pretty rough, but they obviously – it was also kind of a warning, I feel like, you know? I know that's something that I don't need it, but – yeah. And we also have one of our big time horror directors. We have Sean S. Cunningham, who actually did this movie, which is Friday the 13th. So that's pretty cool. Yes, absolutely. And was this Wes Craven? I think it was both of them. Yeah. yeah I was about to say, I think it was Wes Craven, too. So, yeah, we have two. Of them. Yeah. So 1972 for horror. This one right now is sitting at a 61% critic score. So that's where 1972 is sitting. So clearly not a ton happened in 1972. Mm-hmm. So we will move on to 1973, which I think this will surprise a lot of people on what's on this list and what beat The Exorcist for the Rotten Tomatoes number one critic consensus spot. So, Kristen? Yeah, so moving on to 1973, we have a British film, and this is Don't Look Now, which is actually a short novella, if anybody wants to read it. So Don't Look Now is about a British couple. It is a husband and wife, and they have two kids, and one of their children dies. She ends up drowning, and in order to get back to life, the couple send their remaining child, their son, off to boarding school for a while so that they can go to Venice and try to get back in touch with each other. And it works, but throughout the whole movie, we have these psychic things going on. So right in the beginning, when his daughter died, he is seeing some... It's actually Donald Sutherland, who I love. Donald Sutherland is seeing some signs that are weird, like some blood on a photograph, things like that, which are making him go, oh shit, something bad's going to happen. And we get that throughout the whole film, basically. So in the background, we have a person that is committing murders in the background. And during that whole thing, Donald Sutherland is very shut off. He is no longer the psychic that we had in the beginning. But there are two, or there is one psychic that is in Venice that meets the wife. And they help the wife understand the grief of their daughter, or the loss of their daughter and everything. They help her deal with that, which is amazing. And she's able to get over that. The whole premise to the film, though, is the fact that Donald Sutherland is unable to get over the death of his daughter. He shuts off that psychic ability. He doesn't let anything in or out. He doesn't deal with the grief at all. And it ends up killing him in the end. That's the film. Yep. He's not paying attention. No. 
this film, there's a lot of reasons that I think it beat The Exorcist. And I think a lot of it is more people have seen The Exorcist. And so there's a lot more opinions about The Exorcist mm-hmm. down that score. But I also think this movie is one of it's it's a little bit more artistically done. And there's a lot more. There's a lot of symbolism in The Exorcist, but it's a little bit more in your face. And this one deals with grief a little bit better. Well, and The Exorcist doesn't really deal with grief like maybe a little bit but this one is very artistically done in that respect when things deal with stuff like that i think that it just does a little bit better just as far as that goes so and it's very mm-hmm. good so yeah i agree it's really good donald donald sutherland is amazing and it has the most amazing sex scene that i've ever seen in a movie like a real sex not fake porno like it feels like a couple getting back together emotionally yeah it has a very emotional it's long i wouldn't watch this with like you know if you have if you want to watch a movie with like your siblings or parents or like mm-hmm. friends and that makes you uncomfortable or that's a line you don't want to cross with somebody because it's a lot it's very long but it is it's yeah. not raunchy i guess like not at all. a lot of nudity but it's not like hot and heavy you know what i mean Right, exactly. And a lot of the scenes in this, the really important ones are very long. Like right in the beginning when the daughter dies, that is a long scene and you are with them for that grief for a long time. Yeah, so we definitely, we may, we may, I don't know, you know, things, things are coming. May talk about this a little bit more in depth later. So you might want to be on the lookout for that because this film was pretty significant, obviously, for the genre and it beat The Exorcist. So yeah, I had heard about this movie for a while. I know not a lot of people had, but I had heard about this movie for years and it had always been on my list to eventually watch someday. And I just hadn't gotten around to it. So I'm kind of excited and happy that 100 Years of Horror finally made me watch it. It was really good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The last film in the 1970s part one is also one. I feel like I got away easy on this one, Kristen. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've also done an episode on this. We probably don't even have to explain it to most of you because I feel like every, whether you're a baby, baby horror fan, whether you are a seasoned horror fan, you've seen this film, it's in everybody's repertoire. It's a flasher Mm -hmm. of flashers. It is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. One of the first slashers, actually, if you want to talk about Mm -hmm. that, other than Psycho, of course, but it really started the modern slasher. It, It started the Halloween, the Friday the 13th, and the Nightmare on Elm Street. This was really it obviously you know what happened here we've got a band of young adults they're going somewhere they probably shouldn't they're going to this house that someone's family owns and next to this house is a family of fucking crazies and their family of fucking crazies is picking them off one by one obviously one of them wields a chainsaw but the other ones are just fucking crazy they're getting you know together for dinner and they got dead grandpa up in the fucking there's a lot of shit going on i don't really need to tell you what happens in the texas chainsaw massacre you know what happens in the texas chainsaw massacre but as it stands right now it has an 88 percent critic and an 82 percent audience score which honestly i feel like that's a little low for the texas chainsaw massacre with Mm-hmm. But some of the bad reviews, I just thought this was interesting because nauseated and shaken, I walked out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre after half an hour of its butchery. And I'm like, okay, but that's what it is. Did you? It, yeah. Realm, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, you waited a half an hour. Dang. A chainsaw is a cheater's instrument, a device that disrupts all threads of rhythm and psychology. Who 
are you? Yeah. Also, it's gross right from the beginning. You didn't even have to wait a half hour. Yeah, these are audience. This is not critics. All these, uh, this is a a critic. The abater of movie boasts sledgehammers, meat hooks, and chainsaws, and the result, though not especially visceral, is noisy, relentless, and about as subtle as having your legs sawed off without anesthetic. Okay, but you see, what it did was it set the stage for other things to be noisy and like brutal and you know like it had to kind of be in your face so other movies could see that you can be in people's faces you can be violent and gory and nasty and do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like i get it like it's a lot for me sensory wise because it is very loud and there's a lot of screaming i think mm-hmm. the first i mean it's it was early in our first year of reviews so if you go back mm-hmm. last year we reviewed it obviously and I even said, I was like, God, there's so much screaming. It's so loud. Yeah. It is all of those things. And I completely, that's a valid critique, but there's a time and a place and somebody had to do it like this. This is a, a valid style of filmmaking, especially flashers mm-hmm. and especially for it to be, you know, one of the first to kick off a whole genre of slashers, which is some people that are love horror really love slashers. They don't even love horror. They just are slasher fans, yeah. you know? Well, you also, I know that most people don't look into the trivia as much as I or we do yeah. as the podcast, but you also have to look at the the people that made it because the crew, the things that they went through, they were in like hundreds of degree heat They're in, in Texas, the middle of Texas. Though. Like they did it. No air conditioning in 74. Yeah. Like there's nothing out there. People are passing out. They're vomiting there. All of this stuff is going on. Somebody took a freaking chainsaw to the leg a little bit. Like these actors are amazing and they deserve more credit than that. No, I totally agree. And you know, I, like I said, if it's not your cup of tea, I, you know, your opinion is valid. Now, yeah, I don't like Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I respect it. Yeah, it it's is. not like a, you know, it's not one of those slashers that I will go to, you know. I'm honestly not a huge slasher fan. If I'm going to go to a slasher, it's going to be a little bit more nuanced like Halloween, you know. Agreed. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be less in your face. Not because I don't like gore, it's just the... You gotta have more story to it than just some crazy people. <laughs> so, but you know, I don't think that nauseated and shaken, I walked out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre after half an hour of its butchery. Then why'd you go to a horror? It's literally movie? called Texas Chainsaw <laughs> exactly. Massacre. What exactly did you think you were walking into? Exactly. Even if you wow. even if you were in the seventies and saw in the theaters, they weren't exactly misnaming it. Trying to Yeah, exactly. If you look at the original movie poster, it's got him yeah. dragging a girl out and she looks real upset about it and he's got a chainsaw in his hand and a mask on. God, fucking dumbasses. <laughs> so, you know, I and and again, I completely respect most opinions. That's just not one of them personally yeah like why did you go you didn't know when you bought the tickets what the fuck it was yeah or when you rented it in your living room you were like this is gonna be pleasant <laughs> what did you think? so you know i know that was a tangent but we've already reviewed it so you know you can go look into yeah. that but that's just something we hadn't talked about was we didn't look into these you know ratings now the top all the other top critic scores are good and granted there are lots of them, and those are just what showed up on the top page. I'm not going to go into all 202,000 user ratings and all 59, mm. you know, critic scores. But, you know, out of 59 critic scores, an 88% is pretty solid. So, yeah, 
Y'all should definitely go listen to ours. We have a lot of interesting trivia and stuff in there. Yes, too. absolutely. So the interesting thing about this one is that the exorcist was not on it. Thank God, because I like, I was not, gonna, I was gonna watch it. <laughs> not prepared. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to be like, I've watched this enough. I do watch it at least once a year. I wasn't going to do it again. So, you mm-hmm. know, but we didn't have to. And there's also one for part two that I think you will also be surprised is not on the list. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us for the first part of the 1970s. It's not that this whole thing hasn't been exciting, but it's really been fun to see it evolve to meet the modern horror film. Yeah, it's so weird going from Caligari to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and it's so like interesting to see because you're seeing maybe not directly like this film inspired this film like directly, but like there are so many things where I'm like, I see so much of... this film from like the 30s or 40s in this film from the 60s or 70s whether it was yeah it's nice watching it evolve yeah exactly so you get to see all these really cool influences which is fun so i hope you've enjoyed this as well if you've been keeping up with any of this or watching any of it let us know i'm just really interested even if it's like one or two per you know i'm kind of interested to see if anybody's been doing any of this so any of our social medias or our email social medias everything is the extra sisters podcast except for twitter which is at the extra sisters and you can always email us at the extra sisters at gmail.com and if you would like to join our little patreon family thank you to those of you that are patrons we really appreciate the extra support you can head over there for extra content and fun little things of the like there are only two tiers one dollar tier and a five dollar tier it is patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast and again thank you so much to our patrons we really appreciate your support yes thank you guys and until next time stay creepy